0: like my Colorado to with my
1: Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Welcome into the DNVR buffs podcast presented by Green Mountain Dental Group uh, I'm Henry Chisholm and today is Nate Landman day that's what we're calling it Basically this whole show is going to be about Nate Landman um because there's some cool numbers to get into, uh, some stories to get into, uh, and uh, in case you haven't heard, this morning he was actually named the. Uh, let's see, what was it? it? Oh, oh, it was a semifinalist for the Buck Kiss Award, uh, which goes to the nation's top linebacker. Alfred Williams won it back in the day. Matt Russell won it back in the day, and uh, since then the Buffs haven't had any representation winning that award. Which you know makes sense because it goes to one linebacker in the entire country so yeah Nate is a semifinalist for that award um 16th or, or, or not sixteenth? sorry there's 16 uh, linebackers who made that cut to uh semi-finalists and Nate is one of them uh so shout out to him he was also the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week so that's that's everybody obviously the entire FBS Walter Camp, which is like a well known, well regarded um institution, said that uh Nate Landman was the best of anybody who played defensive football. And that is pretty cool. So with all that stuff going on with Nate Landman, uh, and with uh everything that's happening with this defense, you know, they they gave up three points on Saturday, and sure it's San Diego State and they had their quarterback issues, whatever, that's still what happened. That still happened. The three points is what they gave up. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about Nate because this morning uh, we heard from Carl Durrell. He told us uh, about what he's seen from Nate. We talked to Tyson Summers. Uh, same thing there. Uh, talked to Nate himself. Um, and then we talked to Sam Neuer. And with the defense playing so well, I feel like it's time to just emphasize uh, why things are going so well and why Nate Lammond's a big part of it. Um, and so that's what you can expect today. Um, just to kind of quickly run through this week so you guys know what to expect um, tomorrow, Tuesday, another media availability in the morning we'll probably be talking about that I have some more notes on Colorado maybe start to dig into um the game this week against Arizona or maybe that'll be our preview of the Colorado-Arizona basketball game which is uh, happening Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So either Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll get Ben on here and we'll talk through that. Um, We still haven't had a chance to break down that Kansas State game um, just because the timing didn't work out. That postgame show went 90 minutes, and that was without getting into the basketball stuff. So we had to cut that out. Um, But it'll happen here soon. Thursday is likely the off day this week Uh, and then Friday we'll get into the full pregame Arizona pod and you know a couple caveats that game just like any college football game has the possibility of being canceled there's no like reason to think that it would happen other than like Thanksgiving happened, and so maybe this is a, a tough week for cancellations. Um, on the basketball side, the basketball game at Arizona, um, Colorado doesn't have an outbreak, but they did have Deshaun Schwartz test positive last week. He was on the team plane. Um, he made the trip before he had tested positive, positive, uh, so he was around the guys. Now, in theory, he was wearing a mask whenever he was close to anybody, and so you really shouldn't see too much... Um, spread or any spread it seems like a couple of guys who um, did come into contact with him uh, Keyshawn Barthelemy and Tristan Da Silva um, I mean that's our guess we don't know that they came into contact with him but they're sitting out because of contact tracing putting two and two together Likely they came into contact with Deshaun, and that's why they're sitting out. Um, they'll continue to sit out um, for a little bit wi- or longer. I-, I think it's two weeks total from the time of exposure. At least that's what it is in other sports because that's, like, the longest it could take before the symptoms set in and you start testing positive. Uh, and you're most, let's see, you're most contagious in, like, the two days before the symptoms arrive. And so you don't want to mess around and... Say like, oh, hey, I just got symptoms. Turns out I should have been sitting out before because you already missed the most dangerous part. Um, But again, situation worth monitoring. Um, So just like all sports, especially college sports, really just got to wait and see. But that's the plan. Wednesday night, we'll have uh, the Arizona game. The time did get announced. I think it's a 5 o'clock kickoff on Saturday for the football team and uh, that game will be on FS1, uh, which will be nice because FS1 is not the Pac-12 network. And honestly, right now that's kind of the standard. I'm not sure if you guys had any trouble. We had trouble, but it worked out. It worked out in the end. Um, so yeah, and then of course we'll have post game Saturday night. That one I'm going to. We're going to talk some basketball because the Buffs also play at two o'clock. Um, I believe, against Washington State on Saturday in basketball. So that's going to be a really big and really fun day. Um, and uh, I'm excited for this week, and I hope you guys are too. The are 3-0, uh, 30th in the coaches. Wait, was it coaches? I think that was media poll, 33rd in the coaches poll. Obviously, those are top 25 rankings, and so you have to extend them out. Um. Technically, there are others receiving votes, but they received the 30th most votes and the 33rd most votes. Uh, so a win this week certainly gets Colorado into the top 25. Um, and where exactly they would fit in, I'm not sure. Um, Arizona isn't the toughest of teams in the Pac-12, they've they've have a pretty significant losing streak. I, I want to say they've lost like ten straight games, but at the same time, they're like they've won three in a row against Colorado, and that might be what really matters here. Uh, we'll dig into all that Arizona stuff and kind of build toward it throughout the week, and some basketball talk too. Um, but yeah, now we can start the actual podcast. After I tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group, uh, Green Mountain Dental is incredible. They do great work. They make your teeth clean. They uh, make your teeth healthy, which is probably more important than how they look. But they look good, too, if you go there. So get out to Lakewood. It's 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. Super convenient. Get to Green Mountain Dental Group, and they will uh, make sure that your teeth are in tip-top shape. Uh, And the best part is it's a family-owned business that will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. So get that scheduled. All right, Um, Nate Landman. Um, There is so much to say, Um, and we could start with a whole bunch of numbers that I have pulled up. We could start with a whole bunch of things we learned today. Um, I want to start first with kind of like my relationship with Nate, Um, not just like with him personally, but also like with him as a football player and what I've seen and what has intrigued me and what's disappointed me. Um and, and you kinda have to go back to uh, when I first started covering the buffs. Uh, like eighteen months ago is over the summer. Um I think we launched the I guess at the time it was the BSN Buffs podcast before we rebranded to DNVR. And about a week into of like into relaunching the entire Colorado Buffalo's beat at this company, um I was at Pac Twelve Media Day in Los Angeles. And um again That was like five podcasts into my time um, here at DNVR. And I uh, was able to get Nate and Visca actually to sit down with me because they were the Buffs representatives um, at Media Day. And this was back when we could do things in person, which seems like a crazy idea at this point. But I basically sat around all day, waited for... (laughs) nate or visco to walk by and uh eventually they did and i was able to say like hey uh it was curtis there from the sid staff um at the time who i had also like just met maybe that was the day i met him i can't remember but uh, i was just like hey is there like 10 minutes where i could get him on my podcast got him on the podcast they thought that i was kind of like crazy i was like running around with my bag and stuff trying to like get everything set up because they're like booked minute to minute to minute with all the different radio appearances and all the different like re- interviews with reporters stable weasel my time in and uh neither of them were all that talkative if i'm being like totally honest like you could tell that that wasn't something that they were like used to doing it was kind of like short answers you know there's like all sorts of different interviews where like i think like the peak of my time uh Maybe my favorite interviews ever were when we had Taylor Korniak and J.J. Tompkins from the soccer team on like a year ago, um, and that was a lot of fun. We talked about all sorts of stuff, mostly not related to sports, um, and that's because like you know they're a little bit more open. And I go through all this just to say that you know talking to Nate today, he you you can just tell how much he has opened up and uh, kind of gotten used to this role on the team, um, being a leader, being a representative, being somebody who. You know, like it or not, your job is to answer a lot of questions. Like, people want to hear what you have to say about things, and especially on days like today where, again, in the past 48 hours, he has been named to the, uh, I mean, last 24 hours, really, uh, to the butt-kiss, uh, not watch list, uh, the semifinalist list, and uh, also getting defensive national player of the week. Um, and it was just so nice to have seen him Just kind of like expand, get comfortable, get comfortable talking. And that's something that we've heard about him in the locker room as well, is that he's been able to uh, lead more with his voice and not just by example. Um, And and he has turned so many corners. You know, in in those early podcasts, again, I I didn't come down here as as somebody who followed Colorado football. Before last summer, I probably... I mean, I hadn't seen a single CU game since the Rise season, and even then, I think, let's see, I, I can't remember, I-, I I watched the loss that season, I can't remember who that loss was to off the top of my head right now, which is kind of crazy, but um, yeah, like, didn't know who Visco was, didn't know who Nate Landman was, learned all that stuff, and you know, you go back and watch all the games, and you know, look through some of the numbers too, and... One of the things that really stood out to me was that Nate was not good in coverage his sophomore year, um, which was the year that I had to like watch to prepare for my first year on the beat, and that was somewhat of a hot take at the time, um, and I remember like kind of being the Nate Landman hater. Uh, to a lot of Buffs fans kind of right off the bat because at the time, Pro Football Focus was saying, like, he's the best cover linebacker in the Pac-12, and part of the reason was I think he had two interceptions that season. Both of them kind of just, like, hit him in the chest, and they were just terrible decisions by a quarterback. Like, literally just tried to throw it through his chest to a receiver, like, three yards behind him. Um And you know what? He gets credit for those and he was in the right spot and all that kind of stuff. But it's not like he was out there making a bunch of plays and there were a lot of times he's out of position and his foot speed wasn't there. And that is somewhere where we've seen a whole bunch of growth. And now that the pro football focus numbers maybe aren't representative of that growth, you've seen him become such a complete player. And on top of that, what I really like is that he has added to his game, and this is something that Tyson Summers said today too. You know, he said the difference between Nate this year and last year um, is his ability to play in space. He's his comfortability playing in space, um, playing in coverage, um, not just being like an in the box go tackle the ball carrier type of guy. But he also said that he's gotten a lot better as a pass rusher, which is something that is definitely true, and and not just like a, a pass rusher. There 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 are a lot of different types of pass rusher. You know, Mustafa Johnson is one type. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau with Oregon is another type. And from all the big guys in the middle to the speedy Von Miller prototype guys um, on the edge, there are a lot of different types of pass rushers. What Nate has gotten really good at is blitzing. He, for my money, is the best blitzer in all of college football. And I know that that sounds like uh, uh, like a really almost like wild thing to say like a, a Homer type thing to say because I do cover Colorado football but the truth is he is one of the 16 best linebackers in the country according to Buckus the kiss Award voters whoever they are and I, that's the strength of his game, and so it really isn't that crazy to say. And there are plenty of stats to back it up, and, and we're going to go through some of those stats in a couple of minutes. Um, but that is something that you know he's always kind of had. He's always been pretty good brushing off blockers and getting the ball carrier. But he has taken a huge step forward, and and that step was obvious on Saturday when he did get those three sacks. That's a lot of sacks, and uh, to see him get better in that role on top of getting better in coverage totally changes his outlook as an NFL draft prospect. You know, he still isn't somebody you look at and say, Oh, perfect player. He can do everything. He's not like Isaiah Simmons from Clemson last year out there. Um, He's, he is limited in coverage. He, he isn't like somebody who's totally rangy. And, and when it comes time to go to the draft, a team like Seattle that, typically does just play like a straight up cover three your linebackers are covering the middle of the field that's probably not a great fit for Nate Landman but in getting better both as a blitzer and in coverage he has opened so many doors there are so many teams that you could look at and say this this team could use a Nate Landman because even though he isn't like your speedy rangy linebacker in the way that a, a lot of people think that linebackers need to be molded right now you still saw Blake Martinez get a 15 million dollar a year contract or 13 million dollar a year contract or whatever it was this offseason and there's no reason that Nate Landman can't be honestly quite a bit better than Blake Martinez because Nate is just as good of a tackler and I think he provides a little bit more as a blitzer and in coverage and He's taken himself out of this box of being just a two-down linebacker. You know, if you're a Broncos fan, you think of a Josie Jewell because he can do so many more things now. Um, and on third downs, there are a lot of teams that will say, like, we're happy blitzing you 80% of the time and just having one more rusher up the middle. You know, the, the, the Broncos' Super Bowl defense, I mean, that was actually built on rushing six players and dropping five. and and there there are so many different ways that you can approach those third downs, which is the down that Nate Landman is questionable on to a lot of NFL Scouts because he didn't have something that he provided that you looked at and said that is something that would be a strength of our team. Now he does. You know, so many teams want to be blitzing almost every third down, or at the very least just want to send five guys. You send Nate Landman up the middle, that is a very effective use of one of those players that you have rushing the quarterback. And in in the times that you do want to drop him in coverage, he's not just going to get burnt. He he isn't somebody that the, the quarterback on the other side is looking at and saying, okay, if he's blitzing, I'm flushing myself out of the pocket because I don't want to be dealing with whatever's about to happen there. But... If, if he is dropping in coverage, I'm keeping my eyes on him and I'm going to figure out who is going to be taking advantage of him in coverage. Because I think there was some of that last year. And honestly, right now, there there's some of that with Akeel Jones. Um, We aren't getting into that right now. But you could totally see Akeel making a, a bit of a step. And that is the part of his game where he could use a little bit improvement in exactly the same way that Nate does. Now, Nate also provided... A little bit more than uh, Akil did um, b- when Nate was in like that sophomore year type of range, which is when Nate needed to improve in coverage. Um, we don't need to go down the Akil Jones route that much. But the point of all of this is Nate is now a third down player if you're an NFL team because he, he blitzes, because he can drop in coverage. You know, it's kind of like Von Miller. Like... Not in a lot of ways, but in the third down sense where it's, okay, Vaughn is going to be coming off this edge, and that is what the offensive the offense is preparing for. Vaughn coming off that edge. And that means double teams, that means double teams with a chip, that means maybe even some triple teams. The twist the defensive coordinator can throw out there is dropping Vaughn into coverage. And if he just does that one in every 10 third downs, you're going to make some plays. You saw in the Super Bowl run, AFC Championship game, Vaughn drops back into coverage and picks off Tom Brady in the flat, who just assumed Vaughn was going to be coming. And you get this double effect because you also have all those blockers still committed waiting for Vaughn, and then he drops back. And then after they realize what's happening, they need to figure out what they need to do you've already gotten the benefit of rushing Von Miller, which is that the offensive line needs to push all the way to his side, creating one-on-one matchups all the other way, but then you also get him in coverage. It takes away the sack possibility, but if they're double-triple-teaming him anyway, you know, it, that's the type of game that a lot of modern defensive coordinators look at. You don't see a lot of just the straight-up, we're running cover one, or we're running uh, cover three, And You still see some of that, but even the Seahawks have found that when you are approaching things that way, saying, here's what we do, and we do it really well, and you can't beat it, well, you need to have some really great players. And when you don't have three Hall of Famers in your secondary, it doesn't work out the same way. Um, And now for Nate to have added that to his game, the ability to go up the middle, the ability to attack the edge, if that's where you want blitzing for the the ability to not get beat all that much in coverage. You know, we can start digging into some of these stats, I guess. Um, but in terms of coverage, um, you, you look at, uh, this is the 32 linebackers who have taken the most um, snaps in coverage in the Pac-12. So 28 linebackers, in the Pac-12 who this season have taken the most coverage snaps snaps where they're just dropping back and or I guess it could be man to man um and out of those 32 players um in terms of yards allowed per snap Nate Landman is 12th that's it's not perfect it's not like he's way up there with the best cover linebackers in the entire conference but He's still in the top third. Like He's still a plus player in coverage. When you get to the NFL, does that make him an average or a little bit below average player? Yeah, probably. But with all the other strengths he has, he has done enough in this regard that it, it won't take him off the field. Um, and then on top of that, if if I'm a defensive coordinator... I'm probably blitzing him more often than not anyway. And it is going to be a bit of a surprise. And that's going to make him look even better in coverage because the quarterback, when you're getting up to the line, you say, okay, well, what's going to happen here? The 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 four guys on the line, they're going to be coming for me. One of the linebackers, probably Nate Landman, is probably going to be coming to me too. You know, that that's five guys rushing, that's six guys dropping, and that's a pretty standard number. That might even be like the average. Um when he doesn't, then all of a sudden the calculus that the quarterback is doing before the snap changes. And you have to say, okay, well now he's here. Is there somebody coming from somebody or somewhere else? Is there somebody um who is now covering a different area because Nate is where he's lined up in zone coverage, and that means that this guy's actually pushed out this way a little bit? And and He's a chess piece now on third downs. And the way that Davion Taylor last year was a chess piece. And that is so nice. And that is the one thing that was missing last year. And just to close out this little portion um, before we get into some of the numbers that just kind of back up why Nate Landman is in this upper tier and also talk about what his odds are for the Buck Kiss Award. I think that I, I just want to add one more number. And actually, it's a couple. So he had the three sacks last week. I, I believe all of them were on blitzes up the middle. Um, all three of them came on third downs, which meant they were sacks that ended drives. Well, he also had a pass breakup on a third down, and he also made a tackle in the run game on a third down. He ended five drives by himself last week. And and that is a really incredible number. Um, when When you talk about how important those third downs are. I mean, you spend two downs trying to create an opportunity for yourself if you're a defense. That's how you look at things. And those opportunities, you can't let go to waste. And that is something that Tyson Summers is kind of all about as a defensive coordinator if you look at the way he runs things, the the amount of time he must spend building his third down package. Like to have somebody who can do that is invaluable, especially in college football where it's so tough to stop other teams on third downs. And we're going to get through this; these defensive team stats and talk about just how good this defense has been this season, just how good Nate himself has been this season, um, but I want to pull one out right now. In the Pac-12, there's only two teams that have been better on third downs than Colorado defensively. That's Utah and that's Washington. Washington is the team that some people are trying to say is better than Colorado. Um, Utah is a team that had one of the best defenses in the entire country last year, and they've also only played, I guess it's two games now, Um, so a little bit smaller sample size. Um, That's a huge thing for Colorado, and on fourth down, it just gets better. There are three teams better than Colorado on fourth downs, not in the Pac-12, in the entire country, they're first in the Pac-12. Um, you combine the third and fourth down numbers, and they're uh, they're elite. They are elite. And um, that is, if you could pick one thing to be really good at defensively, it'd be a toss-up between run game and third downs. And it just happens to be that the Colorado is really good at both. And that's... Uh, uh, A great reason to believe that this team will continue to do what it's done so far this season and to believe in Nate Landman as a football player. Okay, um, before we get into those numbers, talk more about the defense in general, talk a little bit about Nate, what Tyson Summers had to say about Nate. He had, honestly, two really cool stories um, that I'm excited to relay to you guys. Um, But it is really important that I remind you right now that today is Cyber Monday, which means it's the last day... For you to take advantage of the awesome deals that are going on at DNVR. We are dreaming of a black Christmas. Do you guys need good ideas for Christmas or do you just want to treat yourself? Well, we're excited to announce our Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. Get up to 80% off the entire store. Yes, 80%. And if you spend $75 before taxes, we'll also give you a $15 gift card that you can apply starting Tuesday, December 1st in the DMVR locker. Last but not least, when you sign up for an annual membership for $59.99, you get a $60 gift card to the DMVR locker. This gift card will also be applied starting Tuesday, December 1st to any purchase. Um, Tacking something on right there, uh, you guys might have seen it on Twitter, um, but I really recommend you get the membership deal because first of all, you essentially get it for free and you just buy some cool gear at the DMVR locker. Um, But uh, I feel like we put out some good buffs content Uh, between me and Ben. I have got my takeaways from every game. Um, Some of my takeaways that I posted Saturday night, one of them was about just how good the defense is. And you know how that started? Not to like flex on calling this stuff too much it started with three paragraphs about Nate Landman and his potential to be a Buckus award, um, finalist and and all of that kind of stuff just happened to be what was on my mind two days before the Buckus things came out. Uh, so you would have gotten a little preview on what to read into that. Um, and, and kind of how the lack of a long season hurts him, but also just how good he's been. It's, it's rare that you get to write something right before the news breaks. I'm pretty sure, uh, The Broncos guys did, like, a whatever the game was. I think it was, like, re-sign cut, or no, it was extend cut um, franchise tag, Um, and it was three guys, like, Justin Simmons, Garrett Bowles, and I'm pretty sure they were saying, like, we need to franchise Garrett Bowles, and that posted just a couple hours before Garrett Bowles uh, signed his extension. You're like, oh, look, this is exactly what we were talking about, and so it feels good, um, and I don't know. One more fun way to plug what we do at DMVR. Um, plus, you get access to the DMVR Lounge, uh, which is a lot of fun. We are – it's been it has been popping the last couple of days in of the DMVR Lounge. Um, just Buffs fans talking about Buffs stuff while the Buffs are undefeated. 2-0 and basketball, 2-0 and women's basketball, 3-0 and in football. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, if you guys need somewhere to go talk to Buffs fans, I feel like we've got a pretty good spot for you. Um, but yeah, last day for DMVR, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. So jump in on those and we really appreciate it. Um, also Breckenridge Brewery is an incredible company that makes so much of what we do at DMVR possible. Um, they make really good beers. I've seen people like pour it into their shoe and drink it out of their shoe. Um, and, uh, if people are willing to do that to show how much they like it, just take their word for it. Plus, I'm sure families are looking for some fun outdoor activities during the shutdown here in Denver. We'll look no further. Breck has set up an awesome skating rink outside the farmhouse. It's only $3 to skate with your own skates or $6 for skate rental. They also have an awesome tubing hill that is currently free. Parents, enjoy beers and delicious food in a cozy outdoor setup and let the kids enjoy some winter wonderland fun. Um, If you're only interested in the beer from Breckenridge, though, uh, you can pick it up just about anywhere. If you're in Colorado, grocery stores, liquor stores, gas stations, all over the place. Um, But if you're out of state or if there's one particular beer you're looking for, get on Breckenridge Brewery's website. Find that beer locator and it'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever beer it is that you want to try. It's all good stuff. I recommend the Strawberry Sky. Okay. Uh let's let's see. Do we should we need to go factual here? Yeah, let's let's uh no see and this is why I need to plan more ahead of time. But uh let's let's talk through what Tyson Summers said about Nate today because there were a couple of stories that It just shows how much Tyson Summers appreciates Nate Landman. And I think it's important to say that whenever any of these coaches or other players like Sam Neuer, um, when they talk about Nate, they don't start by saying, oh boy, is he a hitter, or he really knows what to do out there, or uh, just the physical specimen, the natural talent. No, what they say is that he's a great leader and a great person. And sometimes... It's really easy when you follow sports or you you see those words tossed around a lot and so they kind of go in one ear and out the other. And a lot of the time that's fair because it's just like coach speak and that kind of stuff. But it is an important note and it's not something that every player has. Um, and for Nate to be somebody who everybody on the team looks to as a leader on the team and somebody who everybody looks to to know what they're doing you know one of the things Tyson Summers said today was that he provides a calming presence like everybody is just more comfortable on the field because of his communication because he knows what everybody's supposed to be doing and he also knows Basically everything there is to know about the other team's offense. And so he knows who the personnel is. He knows what to watch for there. And if anybody needs any help at all, they can look to Nate and Nate will get them going in the right direction. That is something that wasn't true. It wasn't totally true last year in the first year in this new defensive scheme under Tyson Summers. Um, And it's something that, you know, Nate talked about back then being wanting to be that guy being ready to be that guy. You know, he had been the number two to uh, Rick Gamboa inside linebacker, and that meant that he had to defer a little bit. But also he said that he learned a lot from how Rick Gamboa went about all those things. And I think he expected just a little bit more of himself in that regard last year. You know, he he spent a lot of time learning what his job was. And this year before the season, he said, I feel so much more comfortable knowing not only my assignments but everybody else's. And and I think that that learning curve, it seems like it might have been a little bit tougher than Nate expected. And and it wasn't slow by any means. Like it's not like it, he should have should have been able to do it. It's just that he has really high expectations for himself. And again, that leads into something that uh, Carl Durrell had to say today. That it's just rare that you have somebody who is so good at so many different things. But also has those really high standards and also has the work ethic and really, really wants to get better. And that's who Nate Landman is. Um, And, you know, Tyson Summers told those sorts of stories today. Um, Let's jump into a couple of those. The, the, The first one was this. So we were all following along last week with what was happening with Colorado and the game against USC and knowing that the rug could be just pulled right out from under them at the end of the week. And that's what happened. And when that happened, Tyson Summers, um, just to clarify what happened was, USC canceled. Within minutes, we knew that San Diego State was the opponent. So what did Tyson Summers do? On Thanksgiving Day, he left his family, went into his office at 6 o'clock, prime Thanksgiving dinner time, and got to work. Well, when he got to his office, who did he find? Nate Landman, because Nate had beaten him there and was ready to gear up, because he understands why he is so successful, because he knows what to expect. He knows the entire offense, what their personnel is, all that kind of stuff, um, and he prepares. And so Nate was already in there, um, and, and what happens? He puts up Three sacks—the first three sack game of his life. He said today that he didn't even have one in high school, and it's because of that preparation and obviously like the physical talent and all that kind of stuff. Um, But that's what you want to hear. And I'm not going to lie—like when I tweet something like that, because I just tweeted out that story after Tyson told it. um, When you see like uh, like Mark Perry liked it. Um, you you see like all the the notifications come in and usually like yeah like those guys like a bunch of tweets they're on Twitter that's what happens but it it does you, you do like seeing that Mike Mark Perry likes that because maybe that's what it takes to just light a little bit more of a fire under him not that he needs it not these having a bad year I thought he's played pretty well but that's leading by example saying like you want to be on the Buck Kiss Award watch list you want to be a national player of the week well. Here's how you do it. It doesn't matter that you only have two days to prepare, less than that, really. Just go in there and do it, and it worked out for Nate. Like, that is just so important to have on the team. That's something that Sam talked about today, too, was just how important leadership was, um, or it is to this team. But he was asked, does this team remind you of the 2016 team at all? And he said, yeah. Like, this this team is the closest thing to that 2016 Rise team um, that, that we've had Um, and the, the one thing that really feels similar about it is the, the chemistry. From the freshman to the fifth years, everybody is creating a family culture. And, and there is so much great leadership, and it's leadership that's been missing since then. It's been missing since Phil Lindsay and Chido Awuzie were at Boulder, according to Sam. And when he said that the leadership has been the difference, he gave out three names. The first one was Nate Landman. Um, Katie Nixon and Will Sherman were the others. Uh, and so you see the type of effect that, that Nate and being that way has. Um, and I, I just think it's really important to emphasize that and, and just how good it is for the program to have, um, the other story that Tyson Summers said, and again, like, like Tyson raves about him, um, he he talked about how early on um, they realized how dynamic he was during camp and how good he was at communicating and how, again, he calms everybody down because he knows the defense and he knows his opponent. Um, he said that he's seen those improvements of him not only getting better inside the box, but also now he can play outside of the box and he plays the perimeter better. And he's he's been better in space. He's been better in coverage. He's been better rushing the passer. You see him improve in all those areas, and, and that's all new this year, um, which is pretty cool. And Again, just says, like, I have a lot of respect for him as a player and as a person, um, and told the, that whole story. But again, the the other story that Tyson Summers told was that um, his son really wanted to fish. He really wanted to go fishing, and Tyson was too busy, and Nate said, well, just drop drop Jake off at my house. And I'll take him fishing. And he said, like, yeah, I'll just keep him busy for five or six hours uh, and come pick him up then. And so Nate takes him out. They catch twenty-two fish. Um, Jake did. And then it it was almost kind of like this little emotional moment for Tyson because you know, he is the inside linebacker's coach. Nate is the guy who he is communicating with, who's who's on his on field extension. They spend a lot of time together. And there is a very important relationship there. And you see it pay off in in doing things like that. And Tyson almost like he didn't like tear up or anything, but you could tell like it, it's it, Nate is very important to him because Tyson even said things like, you know, Jake caught twenty two fish. I don't think that in my entire or our entire lives combined, like he's been able to catch twenty two fish with me just because I am so busy. And, and having those sorts of relationships, I don't know, we're we're raving about Nate Landman today um what else is there that we have to talk about um oh they were uh, mostly some sort of bass Uh, i don't know my fish well but it was some sort some sort of bass and also bluegill for those who are wondering um and uh let's jump into some of these numbers because you know one of the questions today is okay so nate's on this uh, this semi list does he actually have a chance of winning it and, you know, the, the the tough part, the thing that I honestly don't think that he's going to be able to get past is that Colorado just isn't playing that many games. Um, I'm not sure when the, the voting is, whether this is, like, postseason, uh, like, during the postseason, or after the postseason, will he have, like, a, a bowl game and the chance to, like, who knows, like, blow up Oklahoma and show that he is deserving of it. I'm not really sure what the timing's like, but compared to a lot of the other players on the watch list... He's just not going to have the total numbers or the consistency across as many games that they will have. But on a per game basis, you could put him toe to toe with anybody on the list. Like, like to, to me, if, if you're putting anybody ahead of him, just as a linebacker you want on your team this season, you're really splitting hairs. And honestly, you're, you're, you're probably wrong too, Um so let's through run through some of these. You know, we've talked about how good he's been against the run. Um, well, here's a number to back it up. Uh, Pro Football Focus um, says that there have been, oh, uh, what is it? I think it's 541 linebackers across FBS football this season who have had at least 20 snaps uh, against the run. Um, 20 snaps where the opponent has run the ball. 541. In terms of their stop percentage, which is a uh, basically a stop is considered um, a a stop at the line of scrimmage or stopped behind the line of scrimmage, and Nate Landman has produced one of those twenty four point six percent of the time that he's been on the field and the opponents run the ball. Again, five hundred forty one players out of or who have 20 um, snaps against the run, that 24.6%, that ranks number one in the country. And there's nobody else who plays Power 5 football who's at 20%. So, there's a number that, that alone, you can make the case that as a linebacker in college football, that's what's most important, and he is number one in the country. Again, it's not all that close. I mean, it is, is kind of close. There's Eddie Williams from FAU, Ty Van Fossen from Cincinnati, um, Donovan Mooton from Houston, Luke Brasher of UAB. They're all, they're all 20% or better, but in the, in the power five, there's nobody else. Um, And does that number hold up as he increases through more games? Uh, We'll see. He's got to keep doing it, but I think that that's kind of an assumption when you're talking about where he's at on a per game basis so far, obviously Killing it in that regard. Um, in terms of the pac twelve, he's at twenty-four point six percent, number two in the pack twelve, Avery Roberts of Oregon State, fifteen point eight percent. That's that's nine percentage points better. So it again, the and that's with oh one, two, three, four. There's only four players who are above or at eleven percent or more. There there are three who are at ten percent. Um So in the running game, obviously dominant. That's his strength. Like I mentioned earlier, like there's the eighth in yards per yards allowed per route run um, out of the 32, 34, whatever I said, uh, who are qualified in the Pac-12 at linebacker. So he's not like a sieve there. Um, uh, The the tackling efficiency. In the Pac-12, out of 33 linebackers, or the 33 linebackers who've played the most snaps, um, Nate Landman is second in tackling efficiency. Uh, Only one missed tackle all season. I do remember that one. It was on, like, I think it was, like, a little uh, swing pass. And Nate just, like, full-on whiffed. It was not like the prettiest miss tackle. But again, what matters is the number of them. And there's only been one. And you guys know how many tackles he has. Um, the only guy in front of him, I should add, uh, he only has one total tackle all season. Um, and no miss tackles, which means he's been perfect. So that is what Nate is dealing with. Um, and behind him, wow, he, he he has a significant lead here again, too. Um I wonder – I'm going to change this real quick and see where he ranks in the country because that number That – let's see. Oh, there's just so many who are perfect. I have to go through all these settings. That's why I didn't do this before. Um, <laughs> oh, well, of everybody who is uh, – outside of everybody who's perfect, Nate is fifth in the country. Um, and out of all those players who are perfect – None of them, oh, no, wait, look at this. There, there are three of them who have double-digit tackles this season. So, again, oh, no, four of them. There's one more way down at the bottom. So that's what you're looking at. It, it gets tough with all the perfect numbers, the efficiency numbers, when some of them don't have as many. Um, but Nate is way, way, way up there. Um, in terms of just, like, the the pure numbers and not these pro football-focused, like, advanced things, um, Nate is fourth in solo tackles per game in the country um there are 23 players in the entire country who have more tackles per loss per game uh, a list that includes carson wells by the way carson wells number three in the nation in, in all of fbs football like even teams that are, are like guys who are only going up against group of five teams they are included in all of these numbers and carson's at number three in the entire country um only six players have more sacks per game than Nate Landman. That three sack performance last week definitely helps. Um let's see. And then what what really rounds it out, you know, I think that what a lot of the other linebackers are missing, they may have like all the all the counting stats, all of the pro football focus, like efficiency stats, percentage stats, all that kind of stuff. What a lot of them are going to be missing is the team defense success. And as we've made very, very clear. Nate is the catalyst for this entire defense. In any way you want to slice it, as as the number one leader on the defense, as the guy who is on the field making checks, you know, Tyson Summer's calls all the plays, but he's the one like who deals with all the run fits out there. And says like you go here, you go here, and he does say like the the defensive line is so good and so experienced that they mostly like do it all themselves. But yeah, like he is he's an extension of Tyson Summers on the field, and the defense has been really really good. Um, they're 18th in rush defense in the entire country in terms of like rushing yards allowed per game, uh, second in the Pac-12. Um, on third downs, I think we mentioned this before, but only Utah and Washington are better. The on their first in the Pac-12 on fourth down. Uh, They're fourth in the entire country on fourth down. Um, only UCLA has more tackles for loss per game than Colorado so far in the Pac-12. Um, you know, you, you think about these games that Colorado's had um, where they have given up a lot of yards in the second half, letting teams crawl back into it. Um, well... They're still 27th in total defense in the entire country. Like, that's just yards per game allowed. 27th in the entire country out of all the FBS teams. Um, And in the Pac-12, only Washington is better. Um, Turnover margin, they are the best in the Pac-12, actually tied with Stanford for the best in the Pac-12 in turnover margin per game. Uh, That's fifth in the country that they are for turnover margin per game. So... The defensive numbers have been great, which isn't a surprise given that they allowed three points. You'll remember that the seven points they gave up, um, the the touchdown they gave up, that was a pick six from Sam Neuer. Um, Quick note on that, he said as soon as it left his hand, he knew that was a problem. He didn't realize the corner was just squatting on the uh, route. But yeah, as soon as he saw it, he said, ooh, that's not good. That's going to be an interception. So there's what went on there. We got to learn with a first-year quarterback. But... uh. Yeah. Just to kind of round out all this Nate Landman talk. This defense has been really good. Nate has been the best player. That is that is what it's all about. Like when you have that combination, you're going to be in the Kiss Award conversation. You're going to have a shot at a National Player of the Week award. Um again, does does Nate Landman become the Buckkiss Award winner? Does he even become a finalist? We don't know. We really don't know, and, and it's it's just so hard this year. I'm glad I'm not voting. Well, I guess I am voting. Uh, all all the awards that I vote on are Pac-12 awards, and so like Arizona State playing only a couple of games compared to teams that played their full like seven game season. Um, that will be a challenge. But comparing like Big Ten teams to SEC teams to Pac-12 teams, um, I'm glad that I don't have. I don't. I don't think I have any of the national award. Eh, I might have some. I gotta think about. It. That's all in a couple months. But um. Yeah, Nate. Whatever. Whatever he wants to do, he's capable of. He's gotten better in all the areas where he was weak before. Um. And yeah, I. I, I think that it's good to kind of round this out. And to me, like this is a really fun thing to watch because again, I, I was a lot lower on Nate Landman. Than a lot of people were just like uh, before last season and even during last season, he has solved almost all of the problems that I thought he had in his game. Um, And again, just the ability to stay on the field on third downs, be a plus player on third downs. That's real nice. That's real nice. You know, he would fit really well in Denver um, with what Vic Fangio does on defense. Now, are they happy with Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson? Honestly, like, I'm not sure where Nate Landman goes at this point. Before the season, he was more of a third, fourth-round guy with, with real potential of falling just because a lot of teams are looking for cover guys at linebacker. But because of what he provides, you could see some teams saying, this is really valuable. Again, Blake Martinez just got a $13 million a year contract a few months ago. And Nate is probably a better athlete than him right now. So, I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to see what outsiders say. And it's going to be fun to see if Nate wins this award. Um, and I'm really glad we got to spend a whole day going through Nate Landman. Uh, let's, let's, let's see. Um do I have any other notes here? Um, in classic Nate fashion, when asked, how uh, it, How's it feel to, to get this national recognition that you've gotten in the last 24 hours? Um, he said, well, I just want to win. Whatever comes along with that, comes along with that. There you go. Um, but then the other thing that he really had to say um, that really does stick with you a little bit is um, his response when asked, you know, what does it mean to you to have like followed all of the great linebackers who've come from Colorado and try to carry on that lineage? And he said, "Well, I, I walk past that Buck Kiss Award in the hallway and everything else every day. Um, it's something to as- aspire to be. Um, those guys. Speaking of probably the two linebackers uh, who won the award in uh, Alfred Williams and uh, Matt Russell." Shout out to uh, Luis Rodriguez for remembering that Alfred Williams won one um, on Twitter today. Um, But uh, also like all the other good linebackers who weren't the the best linebacker in the country but were good. um, And he says that it it is something to aspire to be. And he said, I hope other linebackers in high school right now are inspired to come to Colorado and carry on that legacy. Um, Me too. Me too. Before we get into other notes from today's uh, media availability, uh, wow, are we really at 52 minutes? Did we just do 52 minutes on Nate Landman? That is, uh, I almost said a record, but of course it's a record because nobody else would ever consider doing a 52-minute podcast on Nate Landman. But yeah, uh, before we get into the other stuff that we need to cover today, despite being so deep into this podcast, still got some bills to pay over here at DMVR, and we are going to do that. Uh, What are you guys doing this spring? Because while we don't really know what the world situation is going to be like, uh, you do have some great opportunities no matter what the world is like. Uh, and, and the greatest of those opportunities is through MSU Denver online. Because time and time again, the one thing that has protected uh, Americans against economic downturns is an education that allowed them to adapt into varying careers. Uh, and MSU Denver is a great place to go build that toolbox for so many reasons. I mean, you can look at the outcomes for their students, the, the network that the professors provide, because they all do for the most part, work in their fields and work in Denver where you guys can, I have the hiccups now, I have the hiccups now, where uh, you guys can uh, have connections and make it easier to find jobs when you do get your degree. Um, Or, you know, maybe the best part is that it is built for students who have other things that they're doing, Um, whether you just like living a pretty chill life or whether you have like a full-time job that you need to keep working and you really can't dedicate all that much time to school the msu denver finds a way to make it work um in fact msu students actually work double the hours in the workforce while taking classes compared to any other school in colorado nobody else even has half as many working hours as msu students and that's not like working on school that's working in the workforce um and msu denver online again is just built for people who have other things going on in their lives. So if you're somebody who's looking to change career fields or advance yourself and become a more competitive um, applicant in your career field, or if you're just like curious in something, then MSU Denver Online is a great option, especially right now. Um, You can get more information on the 40-plus online and hybrid programs that MSU Denver Online offers Um, at msudenver.com slash online it'll also have information on the 700 plus courses that the school offers online or in a hybrid form um you can take those on your way to your uh, degree you can take those just because you're curious about the content um but whatever it is consider going to msu denver online uh because they have helped so many people also uh want to give a quick shout out to World Golf Tour, the official gaming partner of DNVR. Um, we just finished up the Candied Yam Classic. And I'm not sure who the winner was, but I'm pretty sure my dad was right up there in the running. So I know that I can beat my dad at video games. I would assume that most of us can too. Uh, don't let him have this. Go beat my father. Um there's are so many awesome things going on with WGT Golf, so many of them through DNVR. Um, if you guys want to go to dnvrgolf.com, you can download the game. Uh, it's the most popular golf game in the world. It's the most realistic free golf game. More than 20 million players play it, um, including a whole bunch of DNVR um, listeners and members and uh, employees and all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's so popular, in fact, that we just opened the DNVR 4 Country Club um, which you can join after you download WGT. That'll get you access to all of our tournaments. Um, and there are so many awesome giveaways. Uh, after you finish your round every week, we have another tournament. every weekend, there's another tournament. after you finish your round in that tournament, you screenshot it, you uh, either email it to info at or, uh or you can reply to the tweet on Twitter. It's just like it's pinned up at the top and you just throw the photo in there. And somebody random will be chosen to pick out a DMVR shirt of their choice and a mask, and we ship it to you for free. Um, so take advantage. It's at the worst case scenario, you're getting a random chance at some free DMVR swag. Uh, and again, it's so much fun, super realistic, so many different game modes, so many different courses: Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, um, and it's a lot of fun. Plus. Also, if you're a DMVR member, get in the DMVR lounge. We're having the time of our lives in there, and you're missing out. And I want to plug that again, too. Okay, we're going to fly through some of these notes because uh, we spent almost an hour talking about Nate Landman. Ah, This isn't football season just the best. Um. Carl talked a little bit more about the game on Saturday against San Diego State. It's a, it's a very good team, especially on defense. The scheme that they run on defense has been the same for them. I think actually on both sides of the ball um, since Rocky Long was there a long time ago. Um, they they have hard-earned yards in rushing game, um, and it was a good win, uh, especially according to Carl because they only had one big walkthrough to get ready for this game, and then they had to play, um, and they made all of the adjustments um, he talked a little bit about Jarek Broussard and why he's been so valuable Um, and he says that he's done a great job extending plays and that he can find creases that, that nobody else really sees and that's what makes him so special it looks like the play is over but he sees something and he takes advantage of it when a lot of running backs would just go down Um, let's see oh talking about San Diego State or no, I can't tell. Oh, we're going to skip that note because I wrote it really poorly. Um, they're hoping to get some players back this week. I um, uh, said that they want to be balanced on offense. They want to make defenses defend all the different areas of the field. That's something we've heard before, something to watch for. Um, they also said that they have to be good against the run and in coverage. Um... In terms of his early success, I thought this was interesting, Um, and this is something that we could spend 20 minutes on if we wanted to, Um, but he said, you know, we are capable of winning right now, and that isn't a huge surprise. That's something that he said in his first press conference, that he thought that this was a roster that was capable of winning now. Um, They're not making excuses. They're just working. Um, They haven't made excuses throughout this whole process when they could have um, at basically any corner. Um, he says that the the goal is to do the best we can with what we have. And we think we have very capable players. Um, they want to build depth. They want to build a standard for how they play. Um, just maximize everything in the team bought in. Um, and I think that that was interesting because I think when he was saying, I remember those press conferences, the, the, even the first press conference um, I was sitting in the front row and he said, I think we can win now. And then you get on Twitter and, and see, well, we better be starting Brendan Lewis because Brendan Lewis is the future. And it's like, well, we aren't to the future yet. We're in, we're in 2020. And when Carl was making those comments saying we're capable of winning now, everybody brushed them off. Um, obviously, the national media, if they even paid attention, <laughs> totally ignored those. Even the local media didn't believe it. Um, the, the, the fans honestly didn't believe it. But who did believe it? Everybody in their locker room, and that's really what matters. Um, They did not get dragged down by any of the outside negativity, and that is really hard to do, especially with such a young team, Um, mostly because you know that they're reading all that stuff on Twitter. Um, What else? Oh, we talked a little bit about Kari Kuch, the the guard who's been playing center for the last couple of weeks because of uh, the injury to Colby Purcell. He said that, yeah, like, Kari struggled with some exchanges, especially in this last game. He's not a natural center. It's not a position he's played extensively, but he has adjusted well, and we know he can handle it. He just needs more work, and he needs more intensive work. Um, he's willing to do whatever it takes until we get our health back. For the most part, impressed with Kari. A couple little things to get cleaned up, um, but mostly just proud that he was able to make the switch to center, which, again, is not a position he's played a whole lot of in his career. Um, he was asked about having Mondays off, which is not something you typically see in college football. And Carl's explanation for that was this. He said, Sunday is the film day for corrections and adjustments basically means you go through your game f- film um, the coaches do and say, here's what worked. Here's what didn't, here's what we need to be fixing this week. And so that is what's on everybody's mind. Here we go. Let's talk about this game and then we'll move on with a couple of these little ideas of things that we need to fix on our mind throughout the week. Um, it's it's basically, according to Carl Durrell, everything we want to address right away. Um, and then that means that when you're doing that on Sundays, you got to give them the Mondays off to have like a full actual rest day. Um, and he also said that that's more of an NFL approach. Um, and that's something that NFL teams typically do a, a lot more often than college football teams, build their schedules this way. And he says he thinks it works well. Um, he talked about the running back situation. Um, and the competition for reps and maybe just a little bit of frustration for those of you who didn't see. Um, I know Ashad Clayton was pretty frustrated on Twitter with his role in the game, or he appeared to be frustrated um, tweets now deleted. Um, and I, I heard that Keith Miller um, was too, but I didn't have a chance to check on that. And I'm just assuming that those tweets were also deleted um, because that's, that's how young people work. Um, running backs. Um, in terms of that sort of frustration that can build when um, there are too many good running backs to have just one football, he said it's a good problem to have. Um, it doesn't mean it's like easy to solve, but it is a, a good problem and that's something you have to know. Um, and he said, you know, we have four really good, high quality running backs, um, and, and we need to get those guys touches. And the best thing we can do is communicate and explain why we're doing what we're doing. Um, and sorry, I just got tweet notification and back to my notes. Okay. Um, oh yeah, you, you got to tell them why you're doing what you're doing because, uh, that's what it's all about. Um, because they need to know why you're making the decisions. Um, and you know, if if you listened into the DMVR post game, watch uh, the DMVR buffs post game it was a a lot of conversation about this because those tweets were happening while we were on air. That's what people wanted to hear about. And so we talked about it. Um, And, you know, Ryan Konigsberg gave like a whole bunch of great thoughts, including uh, like, that it's really about what you do in practice. And that's something that was echoed today by Carl Durrell. Um, And he said, you know, every single week we are watching the, the guys in practice and saying, okay, who who's our best option? Who are our best options? At this point, Jarek Broussard is going to be the number one back until something crazy happens. You know, knock on wood, an injury, or more likely, like, you know, he he slows down a little bit. Um, it's it's not Not likely at all, honestly, Um, but like that happens or you give it to a shot four times in a game and all four go for 20 plus yards, you know, something like that. And you're like, okay, maybe we do need to adjust things. So as of right now, Jarek Broussard gets those number one reps. Um, That's almost locked in. And that leaves the number two reps to a a three man competition. And every week it's about who's playing hard, practicing hard, looks back or, or looks best in practice. Um and uh, they just play the guy who looks the best. Um, They have depth, and that's important at running back um, because there are so many injuries, and that creates more opportunities and sometimes solves the too many running backs problem itself. They just need those running backs to be ready when the number's called, and they'll judge during the week whose number will be called. Um, I think that those are all very good points, and uh, I, I totally agree that it's about communication, saying like, like, and he also said, like, they understand that Jarek Broussard is tearing things up. Like, there's a lot of snaps. They're just going to Jarek at this point. And, you know, there isn't anything any of them can really say to stop that. I will also add, like I did on Saturday. If you haven't listened to that, you should go back and listen to that game. It was a lot of fun. But, um, it's in your podcast feed. Um, oh, no, what was I thinking? Oh, I hate when I lose my thought like that. Um... Okay, well, he, he was talking about Chris Miller. He said that he's had that same shoulder injury for a while, played again this week, um, dinged it again. Um, and, and honestly, like that shoulder injury, Carl said, was just going to plague Chris for the rest of the season. They're trying to manage it right, um, and you know they, they just kind of work with him week to week, see where he is, and go from there. Um, on Jalen Sami, who did not play nearly as much last week as he has in the first couple of games, um, he said that Jalen had a, 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 an ankle sprain. Um, he's fine. He was productive when he was in there. It's not going to like hurt his production, but they didn't want to put too much on him and let it get worse. Um, and, and that's where the conversation shifted to the depth again, saying, you know, it's nice to be able to put Janaz Jordan out there. You don't want to put players out there if they're in harm's way, especially when you have a replacement and the buffs were just like, you know, you're playing San Diego State. You honestly don't need to have your best player at every position. You know, you you would like to, but if you have Jalen Sami a little bit banged up, there's no reason to let this hurt him, especially because ankle injuries for defensive linemen you don't love them. You know, the last year Mustafa Johnson the Air Force game, um not to go through all the details of how a triple option offense works, although you, you longtime DNVR buffs listeners know just how much I love to talk about that. Um you know the offensive lineman cut block that that's that's what they do um they they basically dive at your knees and try to take you out and just try to get everybody on the ground well last year when uh Colorado played Air Force that was the that was the plan because Air Force is a triple option team um Mustafa Johnson took one of those to the ankle sprained his ankle and you could tell for the rest of the season that he wasn't himself you know he missed i think two games did he miss two games because of the actual injury and then was kind of slowed down wasn't explosive as or as explosive the rest of the season jalen sami let that heal up and then push him back out there when you get back into these conference games um on arizona he said, they're trying to get themselves right. They're a very, very good football team. They had quarterback issue last week. Uh, in case you guys didn't see that, Grant Gannell, who I really like coming into the season, I thought I mean, he was he was on my short list of guys who I was excited about. Uh, it turns out that like, Dylan Morris at Washington would have been a better name on that list. I was a little bit off on Grant Cannell. He hasn't played his absolute best, but he actually got hurt during the game, um, which I think made me lose a, a bet. And... Uh, a freshman came in and played. Um, he said, it's still like an explosive offense. It can produce at any moment. Um, and we have to understand what they do and put ourselves in places to combat those things. Um, they might try doing different things, um, because they haven't had success so far this season. And that means you have to be ready for them to do things that they haven't put on tape yet. It's things that they just thought up and said, we got to try something new. And that means that you aren't going to be prepared for it. Uh, so you have to be ready for that as well. um, but, yeah, it's all about defending them, making them not so explosive. Um, and when he emphasizes explosiveness so much, again, this is similar to that UCLA game. I, I think that a, a part of the reason for that is because you are just the better football team. And if you can get rid of the big plays that they have, on, on a down-to-down basis, you're going to beat them. You know, uh, they're, they're not going to be able to sustain 15, 16 play drives work their way slowly all the way down the field and get a touchdown. You know, this Buffs defense is too good to give that up to a team like Arizona, at least based on what Arizona has shown us so far this season. That means that the path for Arizona to beat a team like Colorado is to have, you know, you could call them what you want. You can call them explosive plays. You could call them a little bit lucky plays. Um, Just like the ball bounces their way. Um, And what Colorado can't do is let Arizona be able to look back on four or five plays and say, this is why we won the game, because we got these five things work for us. You know, Gary Brightwell, the running back who I really like, he broke one big long run. Um, You know, a a corner fell down and somebody was open up the sideline and that was a touchdown because all of a sudden, you know, you make three big mistakes on defense. Well, now they have 21 points. Um, and when you're playing a team like Arizona, that is how you lose the game. Buffs fans have seen this story before where a few big plays, um, we don't need to go down that road. We'll do that later. That's a, that's a probably like a Wednesday pod thing. You know, you don't want those vibes on Friday in the preview pod. Well, I, th- but just realistically, I think we're going to have to address that again. Um, but that's kind of like the early, what Carl Durrell seen, what they're getting ready to implement in practice this week. Um, Basically, just don't screw up, um, and then offensively, you need to you need to make plays, and you need to be able to uh, get a couple of explosive plays. Um, not much else that I feel like we need to talk about. Uh, maybe a couple notes on Sam. Um, we already talked about um his feelings on Nate. Um, the interception where he basically just said, I mean, he took the blame, said, I knew immediately I shouldn't have thrown it, didn't see the cornerback, was just like squatting on it. Um, You know, he said something learned from, doesn't want to dwell on it. You have ebbs and flows. That was an ebb. An important answer to a question that I have asked myself for decades. Is the ebb or the flow the good thing? Which one's the bad thing? I never really knew. I just... Knew that if I was going to say one or the other, you're just going to say the whole phrase. There are ebbs and flows. You know, you don't get to get into ebb or flow. Turns out ebb is a bad thing. Um, thank you to Sam Neuer for helping me learn that today. Um, and then he said, you know, he moved on and said, like, what can I do now to help us win the game? That's the attitude you need. That's something the coaches have said about Sam Neuer, um, that he's good at that, that moving on part. Um, you know, he... He said that, which makes you think he sees things the same way. Um, uh, I, I asked him about the uh, like what it's like just having like 48 hours to prep, and he said that you just can't use that as an excuse. They're just glad they had a chance to play. Um, San Diego State is a very good, well-coached team. Uh, it's not easy to g- just gear up like that that quickly, but they had to deal with the same thing, which isn't totally true because they started practicing like two days before. Um And what he did say, though, that I did like was that we have that experience under our belt now. Um, And if it happens again, like we'll know that we can do it and we'll know how to do it and we'll be ready for it. Uh, And that could certainly happen again the way this season is going. And I I don't even think that you need like that direct one to one experience. Like this isn't just going to help them on like a Thursday say like, oh, wait, we have a new opponent. Well, let's go. I think that this is maybe just a little bit there's more to it than just that i think that this can be not like a turning point for a team um but it's it's a it's a nice thing to have under your belt being able to feel that adaptable after preaching that and and that's another thing he said is that we are taking this day by day and that's been what carl durell has said every single day that this is just one day at a time because you never know which day is the one where you get a totally new opponent um, where half the team can no longer practice, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's what can we do today? Um, And really it doesn't matter who we play. We just have to stay prepared. We have to stay ready. We can't make excuses. Love that attitude. And uh, I think it's about time to end this podcast. Um, If you guys have any more uh, thoughts about Nate Landman, leave them in the comments. We're actually going to get into those. I've done a terrible job about reading these comments. But it's because we do things like spend an hour talking about Nate Landman, and now we're here at an hour 15. It's like I cannot, I cannot let this podcast keep going. So um, that's gonna be it. Again, if you're a DMVR member, great deal today. If you aren't, get in on that deal. Um, then you can get in the comment section on the poster today's show, leave your thoughts, your your comments, your questions, and we'll get to all of those hopefully tomorrow. Unless that's like a big basketball thing with Ben, I think even then we still could. Um, so yeah. Buffs are 3 and 0. Beth's men basketball 2 and 0, women are 2 and 0. It's been a it's been a great return to sports for CU and hopefully that returns or continues this week with some big basketball games and a big football game a chance to go to 4 and 0. Um yeah, I'm hyped. I'm excited. Uh and one more time, shout out to Nate Landman because he has been a stud. Uh Sam Noyer, too. Um that's going to do it. See you guys tomorrow.
0: They like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in it play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in it go You know I'm acting bad Hollin' get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag Fishing 180 Speed and competition. see you later, baby, baby. Colorado Army yeah. with soldiers like the Navy yeah. And boat is where we stationed, patiently awaiting Boy. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit your, 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 hit your, your. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official yeah. You just so, and we ain't playin' with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It start at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Throwin' blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm actin' bad. how get a with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I my Colorado swing, my Colorado swing. We got it we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we I at mean, like my Colorado sway. because when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it gold, you know I'm acting bad. Holler, get a when with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like my Colorado sway Cause when i minute play I don't really, oh really know just how to act And when i minute in it go you know I'm acting bad Holly get a buzz with my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway I think they like I think they like my Colorado sway My Colorado sway My Colorado sway Mine I swear I think they like my Colorado sway